Today's episode is brought to you by the Vegas Beer Guys. Everything sequel contains explicit language. And why the fudge not, you melon farmer? Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is the Dirty Harry edition. Oh, today we are pitching sequels. My name is Michael Schantz of the How Dare You Awards. Joining me, pitchmaster himself, the man you know, the man you love, Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Hit him, Tom. That's a seven-point suppository, Captain. <laughs> One of Harry's many resignations. <laughs> Never stops. <laughs> He's like Christian Bale's Batman. Right? Never not resigning. Never qu- never not quitting. Never not quitting. <laughs> <laughs> well, here instead we are. Dark, instead of The Dark Knight Rises, they should have gone with that as a title. Batman never, <laughs> never, not, never quitting. not quitting. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I got to tell you. Yes. What do you do with a series like Dirty Harry was my constant refrain Hmm. as I tried to put together some sort of semblance of a sequel, especially when you consider you got to come up with a title. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but you don't have it. Well, as I said in the previous episode, it doesn't have anything to do with the movie, nor does it have to be particularly memorable. No. So, you know, the the pressure's off you there. But it's not, it's not, it's, you you know, you kind of come into it knowing you shouldn't use the words dirty or hairy. Yeah. You know? Unless, you know, unless you you really want to upset the apple cart. Right, yeah. Unless you want to go nuts. So you have to come up with a title. And you want the title to... Preferably, yes. Preferably makes sense. <laughs> so people but know it doesn't necessarily have to. How to watch your movie. Right. So it's like, do you want to make it ambiguous? Do you want to try to hit the nail on the head? What do you do with a title? Then you have yeah. to come up with a story. You have to decide where to put the story. Mm-hmm. And did you wrestle with trying to come up with one-liners? No, no, I, I didn't. I didn't write one-liners into this, although I probably should have. All right. Looking at like in in retrospect, but you the other you know, again like playing the other side of of this argument. You you can you can make up a movie, and have a dirty Harry movie going on simultaneously. They don't. Have That's to true. Be, according to the series, they don't. They have don't to, have to be. Those storylines don't really have to cross over. At any point. Um, so it's both an opportunity for original storytelling and like franchise fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that, that poses its own problems because getting that balance right is uh, is mixed in this series. Right. <laughs> and well, you, and, you, and then and you end up, you know, with that. With we end up in the series with the Deadpool, which is arguably the best original concept in the series, 
had the worst Dirty Harry movie. Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, maybe, maybe you know, it's a toss-up between that and Magnum Force. Magnum Force. I think I would give it plays... to Magnum Force, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah, like Magnum Force play, you know, it's interdependent. You know, the, 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 it, it's it helped. It, it's a great idea for a Dirty Harry movie, and just a great idea for a movie. Mm-hmm. The Deadpool is a great idea for a movie, and a terrible, a terrible idea, idea for, for a, a Dirty Harry movie, movie. right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, and as always, we ask each other, I mean, how difficult was this for you? Hmm. Um. Let me ask you this. Does this ever yeah. happen to you? Do you ever think to yourself, holy shit, I'm recording tomorrow. I got to think of a fucking sequel. <laughs> it, it does happen to me before. Yeah. Um. You'll not be too surprised to learn with Blade Divinity. Um, but <laughs> given that that was about the third resurrection of Chris Christopherson, yeah. But um, for this one, it's uh, I just so so here's I I, I tried to think about <laughs> in the spirit of this series, tried to think about it less as a Dirty Harry movie and just more as a sort of general late career Clint Eastwood movie. Okay, and that really helps. I just thought about all the things I'd like to see Clint Eastwood doing. At a certain age in a movie. <laughs> All right. And this, and then it kind of wrote itself. <laughs> now, where are you placing your sequel? Does this come after Deadpool or somewhere? Because there's such long gaps oh, in the yeah, series. Oh yeah, that's true. I never even thought about that, but you're absolutely right. You could do an, you could do uh, quite a few different intercourse. Inter- of course. Uh, is that what you went with? I did not. Oh, I, I, did I. I really thought I was going to. And as my yeah. story started to shape, I thought, no, this has to be after Deadpool. This, I know exactly. Like, I started gathering the threads of what I wanted to do. Mm. Uh, but it's interesting because we, I, I, the, for me, what was foremost in my mind was that there were a number of late career Clint Eastwood movies which really work well. Yeah, and it came to me like that. Yeah, like, you know... Then it space, came to me. Space, you know, from Unforgiven onwards, really. That's the first one where that is really about... Kind of... It is really about him being past his best as a as as the kind of premise of the movie. And then you've got mm-hmm. Space Cowboys. Right. And In the Line of Fire. In the li- right. You know, he's like a big sweaty mess trying to run... By the Next motorcade. to a limousine. Yeah, and you, so you know that works. So why not do like a, you know, it's already you know the Deadpool is already pushing it in terms of, of uh, how effective a police officer he can be mm-hmm. at that age. Um. So, but we know you can do that story with Clint Eastwood as an actor, and it works. So I think that's what I was riff. I didn't realize it until you asked me, but I think that's what I was riffing off rather than um, the Dirty Harry formula because it's a few. Yeah, it's like a f- there's a there's a few things you've got to do. There's a handful of things, dirt, Dirty Harry things you have to do mm-hmm. in each of the Dirty Harry movies, but the rest of it is a bit of a free for all. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, so it's liberating, but it's also, you know, the, the, but then the Deadpool is sort of, <laughs> it keeps going back to that because he's sort of like, 
it's a risky it's risky you know just because you've got a good strong concept doesn't mean this is gonna this is gonna jibe as a as a as a form as a franchise movie yeah that that's important to keep in mind i guess the the idea of of i guess you can stray you can stray from a good idea yeah mm-hmm. um that said i think i think i've gone for a a pitch that is a more of a meditation on the series as a whole than than it. and that's interesting i think given it's a series that's gone on so long you don't get that kind of like deep introspection about what the series meant you know what i mean like it it's like when a series goes on too long normally there's a kind of there's a sort of testimonial movie at the end of it that is trying to you know look at the place of the movie in in history right and is a bit more reflective and i mean it's a little bit of that in the deadpool but it doesn't it's you know this harry's portfolio no, but yeah like we talked about you know you see him catching scorpio there's a sense of putting him out to pasture and you know is his time as a hero up but the but the movie sort of answers no <laughs> this is no right <laughs> and and 90 in the 90 cinema also answers no because Clint Eastwood is in full force throughout the nineties, right? In leading right. roles, um, so this this is much more of a of a discussion piece, I think, on the Dirty Harry movies, which which is you know it's very me because I I am ambivalent about these movies politically, so I wanted to embrace a little bit of mm-hmm. like I feel like that's what I would bring to it is like. Something like Magnum Force did, where they kind of turned turned the idea of Dirty Harry on its head a little bit. I've got a little bit of that in mind too. Yeah, I've got a I little mean, Magnum. As, as... I've got a little combination of like Magnum Force and the Deadpool. Yeah, you know. But I mean, it's hard not to when you're, you know, because I don't know about you, but I was thinking about this the other day when I was listening to a Mel Haggard song. I was thinking, it's like I can't think of of a, of. Like, Mel Haggard has so many songs that I thoroughly love that, in terms of content, are utterly despicable. Mm-hmm. Like, I literally disagree with every single word of, of the song. <laughs> but I love it. And then, you know, I, I don't have to go that far with Clint Eastwood. Yeah, I think he's, you know... Right. But it's a similar thing. It's like, how do you write something that you philosophically object to as an idea? Yeah, and that's where I am with the, the you know the the sort of, um, you know I guess if I was trying to write a Mel Haggard song I'd, I'd I'd stay away from the subject of Vietnam I guess but you know it's like <laughs> right but I guess with this one I'm think you know I'm thinking like what I don't know what does what does this all mean what does this all amounted to um you know what is what is Dirty Harry to us now is where I've kind of pitched. Right. My, uh, what do you call a, you're a camper, what do you? Tent? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Is there a special stick that you pitch? What's that called? I don't think so. <laughs> well, if you don't know, no one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, are you, are you thinking of like the pup tent where you just sort of put the stick in the middle? <laughs> like... But you have to pitch, you have to put a, I'm thinking of a, a pitchfork, but. Steak. Steak. There we go. You're thinking of the steak. Yeah, but I just don't have access. Not the meat. 
I, I just don't have access to the world that you have to, there you to go. come up with that word. <laughs> I'll take you. I'll take you. I'll take you on a hike and you could stake. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So so it's it's hard. You know, I, I, I don't know if we've encountered that before where I've just felt so disconnected from the politics of the movie that that's been a barrier too. Mm-hmm. Has that ever happened before with with any? Mm, you know, not that I'm. Nothing's yeah. coming immediately to mind. But overall, I'd say you know. Uh, I I I <laughs> I don't want anyone to learn anything from these movies. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I want them to be entertained by them, but I don't want them to to change how they think about issues like justice and yes law and order because that that would be a that would be a shame i suppose i suppose you could look at the james bond films in the same light like you know it's fun to watch sean connery slapping women but don't go out there and slap don't women. please do that <laughs> refrain <laughs> and so. in fact not refrain it just shouldn't enter your consciousness yeah right that's it yeah <laughs> it's it's uh you know um, it's all it's an there are an odd bunch of movies in 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 that way, but even that's not straightforward because there's a little bit of self interrogation here and there. Mm-hmm. But you know the formula <laughs> that's the problem I think is that the formula is based on a movie that is inherently conservative, anti liberal, uh, pro violence. Yeah. And that's just hard to ride around. <laughs> exactly. It's hard to weave through that. <laughs> it's, yeah. If you wanted to bring your own agenda, it wouldn't mm. be any of that. Mm-hmm. Completely. Yes, exactly. And it's funny because I'm actually weaving something from the real world into my plot mm. so that I. I don't think ever should have happened. But I'm I'm using the Dirty Harry series as as the launching pad for for this particular law. Ah, interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's hear about that. All right, friend. I am calling my Dirty Harry sequel the Syndicate. Ho ho. <laughs> That's excellent. I mean, does that sound dirty, hairy, or what? Wow, you have surpassed my expectations, and, all, and you've only said two words. Because your expectations well, I, first of, of all, my I titles are so low. First of all, I understand both of those words. <laughs> I guess, I guess you've got a leg. I guess you've got a leg up here because your title doesn't have to have any connection to the movie, right? So I can't, I can't beat you with that stick anymore. <laughs> No, I mean that that's almost too good to be true. The point where I want to look up now if there is like a Dirty Harry knockoff called the Syndicate. The Syndicate, right. Feels like there is. Might be one of your Fred Dreyer. I I literally I I I I came up with the title and then I thought to myself I had to look it up. I was like is isn't there's got to be another movie. Yeah, I, I know. The, you know. The, well, in my head I I go I go that you know that was the first thing I thought. It's like that's a that's a that's an existing movie. Oh no, I'm thinking of the organization and the outfits. Yeah, 
Right. <laughs> and the Anderson tapes, but for some a- reason. <laughs> as you'll come to discover, mine is fairly similar to the Star Chamber. Oh, I'm glad you. T- I'm glad we're talking about that because I forgot to make the connection between Magnum Force and the Star Chamber. Which yeah, is just instead of cops, judges. That's where mine's going. Oh, great! We're gonna take place in 1992. Ooh. Oh, so you are doing? Oh no, it is after. <laughs> it's after. That's it's I've well after. Rem- I've friend. got to remember just because his hair looks like it's in in the line of fire. Yeah. It was 1988. <laughs> And I also have to juxtapose this with, you know, he was must have been shooting this back to back with Unforgiven, which is which, as we know, is not a problem for Clint Eastwood. Not at all. He could be guy, mayor guy too. Guy made two two high budget, right. full scale war movies back to back. Yes. Uh, so we're gonna see a cold open. Going, you know, a rarity in this series, mm-hmm. a true cold open. Wow. The likes of which we haven't seen since The Enforcer. Mm. And we're we're witnessing a drug deal. Clearly the, the mob is involved. A wise <laughs> no guy. Tom, no Tom Skerritt. No Tom Skerritt, yeah. <laughs> a wise guy. A wise guy is gonna go, uh, you know, he's gonna like make a minor check of something, and then he's gonna go into a separate room and make a phone call. Mm-hmm. To the syndicate? You might think. Now the cops bust up... There's uh, no syndicate in this movie, is there? (laughs) You know me too well. Uh, So we're going to see the cops are going to bust up this drug deal. Uh, You know, they're shooting everywhere. People are dead. People are arrested. Mm. I like it. Now immediately we're going to go to the court case, which should be years later, but it's not. Because this is a Dirty Harry movie. Yeah. And a judge is going to hand out harsh sentences to everyone but the guy who was in the other room. Because he's going to say, you know, he was present but not participating. Mm -hmm. So he's going to get a, that guy's going to get a light sentence. Mm -hmm. And the courtroom goes nuts and it, like, you know, a big demonstration breaks out and goes into the streets. Like all of these movies, or or many of these movies. Uh, next, we're going to see Harry Callahan, and he's, of course, getting his favorite tacos on a San Francisco street, because it's a food we haven't seen yet. Yeah. And, as it's always... The, it's on the food wheel. Yeah. As always, there will be a robbery in progress at the bank uh, next door. Of course, of course. And Harry's going to say, a man can never finish his lunch in this town. It's good. He's going to walk outside. He sees a guy uh, running to his car. He shoots him. That guy falls through the window of a pet shop. <laughs> so dismissive. Just, just going to shoot. Shoots him. The other guys get into the car. Harry starts shooting as they come straight at him. He's shooting up the window. They swerve. They hit a transformer. There's an explosion. They all die. Next, of course, we're going to c- cut to uh, the, the precinct. Mm. And our, you know, guess Harry's getting it in the neck. Old Captain Donnelly is going to be saying, you cost this city a new record in damages, including $36,000 of rare birds from that pet shop. And the people from the Guinness Book of Records are here to take a photo with you. 
He's going to ask him, what the hell were you doing anyway? You're supposed to be with the canine unit training your new no. partner. <laughs> no. No. No, you tender and hooched it. And so, I guess, actually, I guess they already tender and hooched it. What am I talking they did. about? Sudden impact. They already had the dog. Carry I, on. So I couldn't decide if we should have, he's training a, a, a human partner to work with the canine unit. Hmm. <laughs> or if he should just have a dog. If he should have both or one. He should definitely say, I'm training a human I'm training my human partner to work <laughs> exactly, with dogs. Exactly. Implying that he is himself not human. Whichever way we go, Harry's gonna simply respond, I was on my lunch, sir. <laughs> now that now that is McGonagall. <laughs> Right. <laughs> You've actually slipped in real McGonagall. <laughs> and Donnelly's going to be saying, well, just eat just eat on your lunch, all right? That's all I want you to do. That's my policy from now on. Mm. And Harry, of course, hearkening back to the original, he's going to say, well, when four maniacs rob a bank wearing Halloween masks, masks I shoot to kill. That's my policy. Mm. And this is, of course, when we're going to find out, hey, you're two weeks away from your mandatory retirement. I just don't want any shit Mm -hmm. in the two weeks. Yeah. Meanwhile, the mob gang, let me preface this, the underlings in the mob gang that Mm -hmm. don't know what's going on Mm -hmm. are going to start going like apeshit on the streets. They're going to get really violent because they don't like that they're, you know, such a big group of their... uh, uh, of their uh, gang were uh, arrested and sentenced. Yeah, it's like their way of moving up in the in the ranks. Isn't right. It? To, like, yeah. So because all of this is happening, they're going to say, Harry, you know these people. <laughs> you know who they are. You know all the players. We're going to need you to work for us for these last two weeks. Mm. Great. You bureaucrats should have been having me. I shouldn't even retire. I know I'm 62 years old, but come on. (laughs) My trigger finger still works. We will come to find that uh, three judges, the syndicate, are working Uh... with the mob to kind of keep a harmonious balance on the streets. Mm. The higher-ups don't get arrested. The underlings do. Mm Mm-hmm. They have a they they throw bones where, you know, the guy who uh, got the light sentence, he's higher up, but he's only got to go away for like a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And they're just doing all of this to try and keep the city where they want it themselves. Right. So this harkens back to Magnum Force and Harry's idea of what's right, and what's wrong. And Harry's going to fall onto this crime and, you know, he's going to have to clean up and take care of business Mm -hmm. all the way to the end. <clears throat> where it's not going to be a pier though Tom we're going to have oh. a, we're going to have an office building i thought of you know the judges and the is it at least by the docks maybe it should be maybe it should yeah. be i think you just see the docks from the window but what i picture yeah, we'll have a we'll have a we'll have a roller coaster in the background <laughs> but uh the way i always pictured it in my mind is you know the judges in this sort of secret, this is like, you know, they rented this office space and it's a secret spot for them and the mob. Mm. They all have different entrances and exits they can enter and exit through. They meet to discuss how they're going to, what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. 
And at the end of the movie, all of a sudden the lights go out. And then the emergency lights come on, the door kicks open, and silhouetted Dirty Harry Callahan. And perhaps his dog. <laughs> <laughs> So get guest gun of the week is a German <laughs> Shepherd. Yes, there you go. And there, you know what? You know how it should end. It should well not not end, but in that moment, uh-huh. you've got you can you can't see you just see the silhouette of the uh, German Shepherd and Harry, and you hear. <sighs> And then they step into the light, and you realize it's Harry making that noise, and the dog is completely silent. <laughs> the silent. dog's normal. The the dog's docile. <laughs> and really, what I wanted to get to was, you know, this because obviously throughout the movie we're gonna have lots of play of you're old, you're near retirement, yeah. it's time to go, uh-huh. and of course these guys see this. <laughs> this old man, this senior citizen walk in with his gun and they're going to say, come on, Harry, it doesn't have to be like this. This way, everybody wins. I mean, you're going to be retired soon anyway. Hell, you're going to be dead soon anyway. You first. (laughs) (laughs) Bam, 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 bam. Which I think is McBain. But carry on, yes. (laughs) So there you have it. Harry wins the day by blowing them all away. The syndicate. Then the last blurb you're going to get is you're going to get, hey, the judges have too much power in this town. We have to start thinking about a three strikes law. We want justice, but we don't want our judges to have too much power. Oh. They're going to do what we say. And you're going to wrap up that whole thing into, because that started in like 1994. Is this like when... um... Scott Bakula as Captain Archer in Star Trek Enterprise says, you know, someday there should be a directive. There will... <laughs> right. <laughs> someday we're going to have a directive that'll tell us what to do. <laughs> and it'll be our prime priority. <laughs> it's not quite that bad, but it's close. Yeah. There you uh, have yeah, it. I, the syndicate. I love it. I love it. Love it to bits. I just I want you to to make more out of the office building with the with the mob families meeting because this series has a godfather fetish you've got to yeah. go full meeting of the five families. Oh, that's a I good idea. See, I want to see half the cast of Godfather 3 in there. In there. I want that guy who, you know, gets machine gunned with his while well, he's going for his lucky coat. Right. <laughs> Joe let's, let's have a bit Hey, while we're at it, let's throw in some Simpsons. Let's have Joe Montana in there. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and Godfather Three. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. He's in That's both. Saying, the ultimate nexus of, of all those things. Yeah. Inspector Callahan, I have a stone in my shoe. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So that's that's that was that was my only note. That is fantastic. I can I can, and the best part of it is, it does not. It doesn't does doesn't not, mess yours up. It does not m- mean that my movie cannot exist. Nice. We c- this might be a this is not an either or situation here timeline wise. I like it because my movie is set after the retirement 
Oh, that's perfect. Um, so presumably he, you know, nothing else happens in those one in that one week he has left. Uh-huh. Uh, and he makes it to full retirement. Um, let's fast forward to 2016. Holy shit balls! Uh, that's where my movie begins, in answer to your earlier question. The name, the name of this movie is Ultimate Steel. <laughs> E-E-L, I assume. Yes. <laughs> I've just realized <laughs> that ambiguity. Uh, no, Ultimate Steel. Wait, isn't uh, there already a movie called Ultimate Steel? What's uh, that movie where Hugh Jackman is in control of a boxing robot? <laughs> I really think I might be right. No, no, no. I just checked an IMDb. Nothing. There's nothing. There's Ultimate Stealth Car, Ultimate Steakhouse, Ultimate Love Test. There's no Ultimate Steel. Damn it. I, I grant you, it is the it is the probably the only combination of those kinds of words that has not been tried. It's real steel. Oh, there you go. Real what steel. What did you say happened? Wait, wait. What did you say happened in that movie? <laughs> A boxing robot. Yes. Wow. Okay. Uh, my mo- <laughs> Harry's new partner is a uh, boxing robot. No, uh, that's not. <laughs> it is now. Um. Okay, so we begin. Actually, I lied. We begin <laughs> instead of we don't begin in 2016. We begin in 1971. Oh, we're seeing the "Do You Feel Lucky" punk scene mm-hmm. shot slightly differently than we remember it. Um, with de-aging when... computer technology. <laughs> oh, I'll do you one better, sir. Um. <laughs> Slot shot, shot slightly differently, so we don't see Harry's face. Ah. Okay. And, you know, the the scene wraps up. He's doing the famous monologue. We finally see Harry's face. It's not Harry. Or Clint Eastwood. Mm. It's Timothy Oliphant. Oh. Playing <laughs> Harry Callahan. And we pull out... Watching a clip on a daytime talk show, local San Francisco television. I'm loving this. So you get to see. So basically, he's playing the free, actual Callahan. Catch free, you get to see Timothy Oliphant do right. Dirty Harry. Okay. So we pull out from that, and the presenter is in- interviewing a guest, and the guest is. He says, "This is you know a clip from the new A and E series, Dirty Harry." Based on the um, the hit podcast, the hit true crime podcast, Dirty Harry, and we have the creator and host here, um, and the and you know they have an interview, and the and the creator and host of the podcast, you know, talks about it's a true crime podcast based around this guy, Dirty Harry Callahan, who was an inspector with San Francisco Police 
report um police force has this incredible story and he finally asked the questions you know have you reached out to ha- to harry callahan f- to be involved in the podcast and he you know said we'll love to but you know no one can find him he's a, like a richard simmons character now he's just <laughs> disappeared from public view we've reached out so many times we can't get in touch with him um we'd love to hear his side of the story because everyone else tells the story as if he's the villain and you know we feel like that that you know if we got his side of the story we'd have a better idea we can only go on the information we've got which is all negative (laughs) (laughs) entirely negative um we zoom out again harry watching this interview on his phone right at the san francisco docks where he now works as a nighttime security guard oh my gosh how many crimes has he foiled and he and uh, he has a he has a younger Latino partner as a secu- for his, in his security guard job. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Don't fancy this guy's chances much. Um, and and he's like 82. Yes. Right. Yeah. And 82, then, then 85, he, something. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um. And his partner's watching the CCTV footage from from the dock. And uh, there's a there's a bunch of crates, and around which there are Russian diplomats who are actually mobsters sitting around playing cards. And he's like, "Look, those uh, those diplomats are here again." Um, and Harry's like, well, "You know, why do they have to supervise every? It's like, why do they always have to be here?" And he's like, oh, it's part of our new trade agreement with the Russians. You know, there's got to be diplomats supervising all the <laughs> all the movement of cargo. Um, and, you know, Harry would say something like, <laughs> is that that hot? It must be bad reception on that hotline. Instead of diplomats, he must have said mobsters. And then he, <laughs> and then, uh, he goes down to join them in their card game. And, you know, he plays a hand. They're making fun of him. Yeah, you're a stupid American and uh, you earn nothing. We have all this money. And, and so they stake him in the game. He loses all his money on the first hand. And um, so we'll give you a chance to earn back your money, to play back your money. It's like, all right, but I picked the game. Um, <laughs> Starting to sound like bogus journey. He puts down right. He puts down the he puts down the cards. Gets out his forty four magnum. He's gonna play him in a game of Russian roulette. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> and and we go all the way around. You know, we all go all the way around the horn, and it's left, and it's the you know, it's the the mob boss who ends up with the final bullet in the chamber. And Harry, you know, and saying, "Okay, you made your point. You'll get money back." And he's like, "No, go." And he's, you know, Harry is making sure he goes through with it. <laughs> so like he, he, you know, ah, it's an old gun. I'm gonna make sure it works properly. So he takes it out and he cocks it. No one sees that he removes the bullet, so it's an empty, an empty gun. But he makes the guy go through with it and think he's gonna kill himself. <laughs> but there's no gun in there. And he's, you know, said, so "From now on, I'm gonna look after your deliveries." I'm going to make sure they go where they're supposed to. And then the next thing we see, it's the morning at the end of the shift and Harry is operating a crane, just dumps the crates into the sea. <laughs> <laughs> and then his carter comes out, quitting time, Harry! And he comes right. out. And maybe he says something like, yabba dabba do. <laughs> and, 
so Harry <laughs> Harry's on his way back to his apartment and uh, he stops by Starbucks to get his black coffee I don't know why he's you know it's Harry Callahan he probably drinks black coffee before he goes to bed right sure uh, <laughs> like uh, who is it says um is it Stephen Wright who said I drink coffee before I go to bed because then I can dream faster Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so I also he like goes... he said I like to tease my my plants so I water them with ice cubes. <laughs> <laughs> so he stops into Starbucks for for a coffee. There are two uh you know young hipster types who are listening to the Dirty Harry podcast on you know on their uh on their phones and talking about it and it's like oh this guy he's unbelievable all these things he's done and we'll recount things that he's done during mm-hmm. the series and then one of them looks over and sees that this is the you know it's like he's looking at the image on the on his uh on his iPod and looking up at Harry and back and forth and he's like that's him that's the guy that's Harry and um you know goes up and said are you are you Harry Callahan and he's like, no, you got the wrong guy, kid. And of course, at that moment, his drink appears with the name Harry <laughs> on it. And, uh, you know, like he... T- so, and then everyone starts to hound him. They get the smartphones out. They're taking, you know, videos of him as he um, as he tries to leave. Uh, he gets he gets out of the... He gets out of the store, drinks, you know, takes a sip of his coffee and... You know, we have a reenactment of the sudden impact moment where he tastes something is wrong with the coffee. Then he looks back into the store um, and he's looking around and he sees, you know, what he thinks is lots of suspicious activity <laughs> or, you know, just some black guys right? Um, <laughs> at the tables. And he goes back in, gets his magnum out and starts, you know, as a, you know, and starts grabbing the people he thinks are the robbers. At that point, another person called Harry... <laughs> Who ordered, a, who ordered a coffee like a, <laughs> a like a coffee with an extra shot of syrup in it? Because uh, I think we have we we got the wrong coffees. So at that point, you know, everyone at Starbucks knows, and Harry has to run away and you know and run away and hide. But he's in the same apartment, except every time he opens the door to his apartment, there's like a thousand. He can't be uh, running fast. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> he's hobbling. Well, you know, he can still he can still outrun Al Quan at. 60 whatever so <laughs> um but he um oh that's no i've got a, i've got so at this point the russian mob want their revenge already for humiliating their leader and compromising their stuff so the russian mob are chasing him and he loses <laughs> that's it he loses them in the bowels of city hall uh and the only reason i the only reason I've added that in is I once got lost in San Francisco City Hall, so <laughs> I know exactly how he'd do it. Um, and anyway, he goes back to his apartment. There's real estate uh, flyers and notes in every. He can't open his door. There's so many of them, like through his like through his door, like saying you could sell your house for you know you're sitting on millions and all sort of stuff because San Francisco real estate's just crazy. <laughs> Um, and he sits down, he's listening to his own pod, you know, the podcast about him. It mm-hmm. gets to the part about Inspector Moore. And oh, I thought you were going to say he got to the part with the harpoon. <laughs> he got to the part with Inspector Moore. He can't listen to it anymore. He throws it down. He turns on another true, true crime podcast. And it's called, it's a podcast called The Lotus Killer. And he hears a familiar voice in the intro, which is that 
of his old partner, Al Kwan. Uh, I thought you were going to say Patricia Clarkson. No, it's a... So, well, that would, that would make sense when she would end up doing a podcast. But he was interviewed because uh, this is... A, the Lotus Killer was a San Francisco serial killer. Mm. Called, so called because they left a, a blooming lotus flower right. on the site of every murder. And there's like six unsolved murders of young girls in Chinatown. And Al Kwan was the... Uh, when he was a rookie cop, he was charged with protecting the scene. And oh, wow. he fucked up and he let the guy go. And he's talking about his regrets. It's like, I feel like we would have, you know, caught It kind of sounds like the real Zodiac. Like Yeah, absolutely. Like and that, they, yeah. Because they play a little bit of that in uh, the Deadpool with him sending letters to the press. So I wanted to put add a bit more Zodiac and, and San Francisco-ness to it. Um so I'll so Harry then calls up uh Bradford Dillman <laughs> who is now the police commissioner gets through to him and say, and um you know he says I I want this information on you know where what where's Alquan and what's he doing now um and he says in you know he says I can't give you that information Callahan and he says, "Look, you can change. You can you could change your name from from Makeda Briggs. You can take your <laughs> wife's name, but we all know who you are, and we all know what you did when you gave into those hostages demands. And I'm going to tell the press if you don't give me his address. So he searches. He goes out to see Alquan, and he arrives. There's like two apartments. He can't quite read his own writing because he's losing his eyesight." And he can't make out. He can't make out the exact number, and it's a choice between two apartments. One of them has one of those lucky cats with the paw. Outside. Oh no! So he immediately goes to that one, and it's just some hipster. And Alcorn goes to the other door. It's like Harry. It's like oh, I thought you lived here. It's like let me guess, the lucky cat. He's like, yeah, that's not ours anymore. That belongs to the hipsters now. And anyway, um, he sits and talks to Alcorn about you know the Lotus killings. And they both decide to reinvestigate the crime independently and try and solve the mystery of San Francisco's oldest unsolved, not oldest, but like uns- major unsolved serial killer. Wow. Um, but this involved, oh, the mo- Russian mob is still after him. <laughs> That's right. And Don't forget. Al-Qu- and Al Kwan, uh, the, the site of the murder where he let the murderer go was a triad nightclub. Uh, so that means he's, you know, he's um, prickling the ire of the triads. <laughs> and also it, it, it emerges that this is a police cover-up. It was a cover-up by the police, the, the investigating officers. Oh, no, we both involve police or yeah. justice or, yeah. So as they continue on in their investigations, they are being pursued by the Russian mob, the Chinese mob, <laughs> and... You know, uh, early 90s San Francisco cops. No, late mid 80s San Francisco cops. Um, And this will end in a uh, like a Mexican standoff situation where all three factions will be will surround. Is it a John Woo movie? Yeah, we'll surround. And, you know, inevitably both. uh, Obviously, Alquan will get injured again, but won't die. And uh, Harry will survive, but they only survive because. Does Harry break a break a bone trying to lift his gun? <laughs> like Too a heavy for him. Situation. Ah, son Don't of a... touch me! I'm brittle. <laughs> um, and you know they escape because all these guys kill each other. Wow. And they 
they eventually solve they eventually solve the murder. So and that is ultimate steel. If anything, it has everything. If anything, it has everything <laughs> except any steel that is in any way ultimate. <laughs> Not even penultimate steel. Right. <laughs> which is the fifth in the series. Penul- penultimate steel. That's great. There it is. That's that's Ultimate Seal, a podcast-based Dirty Harry sequel. Uh, I'm having a good time. So there you go. There's something kind of delicious about seeing Dirty Harry in his 80s. <laughs> uh, I well, yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing. Like, you know, I was inspired by, um, those uh. You know those those late career like the mule, mm-hmm. it looks fine, right? Like I saw I saw a shot from that the other day in a HBO Max ad, and I was like, okay, yeah, let's let, let's do it, let's go. <laughs> get no, it, get I I'm I'm on board. Uh, yeah. The question is, is the audience? Well. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's. I think it's. Which close. old dirty Harry do you want to see? <laughs> Older? Old, do you want to see the old, old or the oldest? So essentially, it's like asking about you know how you like your steak cooked, really, isn't it? It's like, yeah. How aged do you like this particular <laughs> right. piece of meat? We we both have him as a senior citizen. <laughs> but we have a a soup. Mine is a super. Mm, super senior citizen. Yeah. <laughs> and yours is se- senior citizen adjacent. Yes. Pre pre senior citizen. Well, now it's in in the hands of the people, Tom. So, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to have to tell us which of these sequels would you want to have made, or do you have your own? I mean, there's yeah. no end in sight. Come on, send us some ideas. I want some dirty, hairy ideas. <laughs> is now with those, is that dirty, hairy ideas or dirty, hairy ideas? Right. <laughs> like, a, you know, like a really strong Harry that has olive juice poured in. <laughs> That's great. All right. Well, you're going to have to find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Send us an email with your thoughts or your ideas to everythingsequel at gmail.com. When you hear us next time, we're going to have something new for you. That's it for the Dirty Harry series. For Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions, Michael Schantz here of the How Dare You Awards. Until next time, say goodbye, Tom. No, this stuff isn't getting to me. The knifings, the beatings... Old ladies being busted in the head for social security (laughs) checks. Teachers being thrown out of a fourth floor window because they don't give A's. That doesn't bother me a bit. Or this job either. Having to wave through the scum of this city. Being swept away by bigger and bigger waves of corruption. Apathy and red tape. Nah, that doesn't bother me. But you know what does bother me? You know what makes me really sick to my stomach? It's watching you stuff your face with those hot dogs. Nobody, I mean nobody, puts ketchup on a hot dog. Uh, Words I live my life by.
if you if you do if you do the Clint Eastwood voice for long enough, you end up. You as need water, Meredith. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Can cause a variety of damage. <laughs> All right, that's it. Until next time, everyone. <laughs>